0: hello people of the interwebs this is outlaw priestess back at it again and today is something of a rainy day episode so get cozy if you are fortunate enough to live somewhere that getting cozy is a nice idea it's basically 100 degrees here in southern california which um i'm not happy about in addition to the fact that I am under the weather, which is kind of okay because I'm pretty sure I got strep throat from a beautiful lady, which makes it kind of worth it, but I'm definitely more bummed out about the fact that we just don't have fall weather here for the most part. So anyways, if you hear anything in the background, that would be my air conditioning going at full blast and my being a little under the weather and my intended guest for the week also being kind of sick. That's the reason that I'm putting this out on a Thursday and not Wednesday like usual. And it's also why I am pulling out this rainy day topic for today, even though I wish it was raining and it's definitely not. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm self-pitying here a bit much. I will move on. The issue of people trying to wokeify and queer Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings has been something that's building up for me for a hot minute. Especially since the so-called Tolkien Society did a convention, a some kind of academic conference, I think, which uh, the theme was specifically Tolkien and Diversity, which is just, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dig into that, even though I really <clears throat> partially don't want to. But the rest of me cannot keep this inside for a moment longer. Those of you who follow me on social media will see my (laughs) uh, little mini rants from time to time on my Instagram stories and what have you. So let's get going. Settle into your cars, pull up next to your fireplace if you have one, and think of me. uh, (laughs) Drink a good pumpkin spice tea and settle in. Buckle up. I do want to say this is technically the rant of a layperson, in that I don't have any academic degrees related to this. I'm simply, coughing a lot. I am simply a fan. I have actually read the books, and I know a bit about Tolkien's life. Not everything, mind you, but I think enough to have a sense of his perspective and his background, and i am definitely more informed than your average tumblr refugee who's spouting some kind of delusional insanity about how aragorn is a transgender lesbian on twitter which gods please forgive me for saying that out loud i yeah (laughs) i feel like i'm going straight to hell just for saying that good gods i hate the internet sometimes um But yeah, I have some awareness around Tolkien's background. I have read The Lord of the Rings. I started The Silmarillion. Don't smite me. I have not finished it. I'm working on that. But um, yeah, I also don't have any kind of active narcissistic delusions around someone else's work and trying to twist someone else's legacy to suit my preferences. So I think that helps. Um, And a lot of the people who I've noticed online and a lot of the people whose whose ridiculous opinions have inspired this rant, so thank you, a lot of them might have academic degrees. They might be more technically uh, formally educated than I am for now. For now. We're working on that. Um, But that doesn't actually mean anything in terms of your general level of sanity, your pettiness, and abusing whatever education you do have to push your weird fucking agenda so I apologize for swearing on an episode about the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien it feels wrong but it is kind of going to be called for so I am going to keep swearing in this episode I am sorry so anyways uh, now that I have gotten that disclaimer out of the way um I'm just going to dig into this what brought this on in particular is really just um, Twitter's algorithm being really weird. And they're trying to recommend people stuff related to our interest, which I suppose I appreciate. And I suppose I appreciate that Twitter has noticed I love the Lord of the Rings and I love Tolkien. So in theory, recommending me tweets about that is relevant to my interest. But What's caught my attention is that most of the tweets that are suggested by Twitter as being Lord of the Rings related all seem to really hate the Lord of the Rings. They all seem to have an active contempt for Tolkien and his work. All of it is some attempt at dismantling and deconstructing through the lens of critical race theory, which if you're a fan, you're not going to be a fan of this show or of me. You should know that by now. I've already poked several holes in it in the past. I'm not going to bend the knee. I'm not interested. (laughs) So, if you're looking for some kind of sympathy for woke destruction of Tolkien's legacy, you're not going to find it here. That's not what this is about. This is about the opposite. So, if that's you, I'm not going to tell you what to do, unlike you guys. I'm not into dictatorship, unlike you guys. So, I'll say it's probably best for your interest that you move on, but you know, on the off chance some SJW type person has found this podcast and is going to keep giving this a listen, I hope you learn something because I listen to (laughs) y'all and I don't think that you guys should be legally, uh, forbidden from speaking. I think everyone gets to talk, but anyways, where was I going with this? Yeah. All of the recommended tweets about Tolkien or Lord of the Rings are from people who seem to hate him and his work. And all of it is... You know, again, I've literally seen delusional bullshit about how Aragorn is a transgender lesbian. These people need therapy, like, desperately. You need fucking mental help if you're saying stuff like that, not just to yourself, but online. It's either stuff like that, or it's, um, you know, these sort of also evergreen accusations of the Lord of the Rings being deeply racist and inherently sexist because the characters, you know, frankly are majority male and because it's not like an intersectional utopia, that's not what it is. So for those of you who don't know, Tolkien was a deeply catholic English man who was a veteran of World War I who specifically said he was setting out to create an epic for the English people. And I know, because I know these people and I know their ideology, that that sentence in and of itself is going to be interpreted by a lot of people as white supremacy at its finest, white supremacy, racism in action, because why do the English people need an epic and what have you. So if that's how you feel, I feel like you should just leave Tolkien alone, you know, like don't read it, move on go write your own masterpiece. But oh, wait, you can't. You can't create. You can't create anything of worth or value. You can only dismantle and destroy. And that is why you continue to leech off of a master's legacy, off of his books, which continue to do better than anything you will ever even try to write. (laughs) And it's why uh, these people have such an issue with the orcs and the goblins, because They are not a racial trope or cliche. It has nothing to do with that. The orcs and the goblins, they are like... Not much. Like evil itself is portrayed in Tolkien's universe, which he's on to something. I don't think it's restricted to his books. Like evil itself, evil is powerful in how he conveys it, but it's limited. It is limited only to defile, to mock... At best, to destroy other people's creations, but it cannot actually create anything itself. It can't create life. And that makes it endlessly furious and endlessly jealous. And that is exactly what I see with these people. It's exactly what I see with these critics. I'm taking a sip of my tea here. <laughs> with these critics who are trying to beat everything into submission until it looks like what they want it to look like and you can keep trying for a hundred years for another hundred years it's never going to happen because think about that too this stuff was written almost a century ago at this point and people want it to suit the preferences of modern day woke socio-political fixations it's delusional it is not remotely in touch with reality and it's pretty insulting to everyone involved. And I'm going to get into that. (sighs) I mean, specifically my issue is, and it started off as, uh, with this particular thing where all of these people online and these people that act like they care about the LGBT, uh, spectrum and people who fall under that spectrum are constantly trying to gay wash the characters Uh, specifically The Hobbits, but mostly just the male characters in The Lord of the Rings, I find that fucking disgusting. Because we're very against straight washing, yes? Like, people who are bisexual, gay, what have you, we have established that it is gross and deeply offensive to, especially posthumously, like, paint people, even fictional characters, as straight when that isn't who they were, that isn't, what they were in life or in the books and somehow when the tables have turned it's okay to do that when it's what you want like because somehow we've reached more acceptance now we can start treating other people the way that we were mistreated I'm really deeply against that and it's it's not just I don't like it it's destructive on a much deeper level, because it's basically going back to all of the homophobic stereotypes that we're supposedly so against. Like when people, let's just oh summarize it to far right. I, I don't know what else to call it. When people, when far right homophobes do stuff like assume and call people gay because oh they're not actively involved in a woman. They take pride in their appearance. They enjoy creature comforts. Um, When they call people gay for that, we're like, that's fucking offensive. That's stereotyping. How dare you? But these same people will look at, you know, Bilbo having a whole room for his clothes. They'll look at, you know, the fact that he enjoys baking and throwing parties. And they'll go, oh, well, obviously he's one of us. He's queer. So somehow that's okay. When we speak on behalf of other people, when their authors were staunch Catholics, I mean, staunch to the point, that he continuously <laughs> fought with his wife about it. Like, for context, not only was Tolkien very Catholic, his wife was initially Anglican. She converted temporarily to sort of appease him, which sucks, but, you know, people do that sometimes. And she couldn't handle it. It wasn't for her. She ended up wanting to go back to to being Anglican, which she did. And they came to some kind of peace about it. I don't know specifically how they came to an agreement, but they supposedly did. They fought about it for a very long time though. And while I don't like to air out someone's dirty laundry, this is someone who is not writing gay characters. Um, especially when he said he went out of his way to say that there are no subplots. There's like, if he didn't explicitly put it in those books, it doesn't exist. You can look up the exact quote, but he went out of his way to make that clear. So people would not politicize uh, and abuse his work like they're doing now. So I mean, I'm bisexual, you know, like I would be offended if someone say I die and someone goes around talking about how I'm straight, because the majority of my romantic relationships my of my romantic relationships, sorry, have been with men. Or for whatever reason. Um Or they're just not aware of my relationships with women or what have you. You can bet your sweet ass that I would come back as a ghost and haunt them until they knocked it off for straightwashing me because that's not who and what I am. So I'm just going to say across the board, unless someone is explicitly gay, is explicitly bi, um, is explicitly trans or what have you, You don't get to decide that for them, especially just because you are so narcissistic and self-obsessed that you need to see a carbon copy of yourself in everything. And straight up, that's not what art is for. That's not what literature is for. It is not there to pander to you and to cater to you and to give you exactly what you want. And again, if that is what you want, if you want some kind of intersectional utopia in fantasy, which I don't, frankly... I don't think would be, would make for very good reading. Because when you're deliberately just writing something as political pandering, where's the story? You know, what's the story going to be about? If you happen to have characters that are from a variety of backgrounds and ethnicities and orientations, fuck yeah. But give me a good story because I'm not just going to read it for that. If you want to though, you're free to do that. And there's plenty of books that fall under that description. So If you want to do that, um, I might suggest getting your grubby fucking disgusting hands off of Tolkien and going to those other books and going to those other sources of media. So yeah, I I don't have patience. I don't have sympathy. I, I don't have any interest in entertaining this bullshit, especially when it's just so foul. The hobbits are, they're an embodiment of joy and wonder for the simpler things in life. They enjoy home-cooked food. You know, it's that hearth, homey comforts. They have this inherent goodness in them that's kind of angelic, kind of childlike, and it's pretty heavily implied, and I I personally very much feel that the reason that Frodo and Sam succeeded, where everyone else had failed, why it had to be them was because they had that inherent goodness in them. That good objectively exists, just like evil objectively exists in the Lord of the Rings. And in real life, I also believe that. Um, So to take all of their happiness and just their enjoyment of the little things and going, oh, well, that makes them gay. It's like, what is your problem? Like, truly, what is your problem? To take it even further than that um, and to go into the men are obviously transgender they're transgender women is like again you need fucking mental help it's nowhere in the books you're reading shit into it that doesn't exist because you want it to be true and it never will be um but that part is particularly just vile as well not because transgender people are vile at all but because these are the same people who are constantly going on about toxic masculinity and you know just all the negatives of the shadow side of the masculine which absolutely sucks by all means like I am not going to argue with you on that I'm against toxic masculinity but what people don't understand and where I consider people to be full of shit is when they don't want to appreciate the whole spectrum of it when they look at evidence of wholesome masculinity of strong and positive and healthy nurturing masculinity like you see in the Lord of the Rings and they cannot stop trying to tear it down they have to be gay they have to be women you know like they can't just exist as men and I consider that gross on every level because it's like the existence of transgender people and women they don't exist as what's even the word like a scapegoat like a political tool for you to just decide people are trans because you hate men and that's kind of it's not kind of that's exactly what it is where when you're screaming all the time about toxic masculinity and yet you cannot respect or acknowledge or appreciate nurturing like strong good masculinity when you see it you are not motivated out of any kind of love or protective protectiveness of women or people who have been wronged by toxic masculinity, you're driven out of a hatred of men, not a love of anyone else, not wanting to protect anyone else. You simply hate men. And again, don't read Tolkien. It's not going to be for you. But, you know, they're going to continue pretending that they've read it so they can continue pretending that that's what's going on uh because that is their agenda for whatever reason i I think it's more a case of self-hatred and simultaneous self-hatred and narcissism like they're not comfortable with themselves they know they're not talented so they need to like twist other people's work and they're also so narcissistic that they need to see themselves in everything where i just don't like, I, I really don't need to. I, like, not every single story needs to be majority women or 70. Like, that does nothing for me. Like, you can have a story that's a majority of women, and if the story sucks, I have no interest in it. Like, I know the myth that The Lord of the Rings is deriving from, is drawing from, and we need... Those strong masculine examples. Like, we need that. That is exactly what we are lacking in this world today. And it's part of why the series is still so beloved, is because we don't see that. We don't see men platonically kiss, like, on the face, you fucking weirdos, like, and embrace each other and be loving with each other, and while also being battle ready and strong and all of it. Like, this is part of what's sad about, you know, the fact that the films had to cut out as much as they did, is that not only was Aragorn uh, nowhere near as reluctant and kind of in the shadows, he was not the exile he was in the films, but Faramir was really just cut in half, or less than half, because in the films you kind of see that he's this mistreated uh, other son, he was not the golden child in his father's eyes, his dad just wished him dead, Um, And you kind of only see him as someone to feel sorry for. You know that he's brave, but you don't see who he is. Where in the books, he's just a, he's a very strong man. But Tolkien also goes out of his way to say that he loves what he is protecting more than he loves the battle itself. I think that's a very, it's a very important distinction. And in his courtship of Eowyn, he's very tender and respectful he gives her her space like he kind of lets her do her own thing for a while but he's also not afraid to just show up and be a man and be unapologetically like yeah I'm interested um I know you're a badass and like there's a point where she's like oh yeah are you I'm I'm heavily paraphrasing guys in case you haven't noticed (laughs) this is not what Tolkien actually wrote um But there's a point where she's like, oh, yeah, you want to tame a badass Viking bitch like myself? Like, you're here to tame a shield maiden, more or less? And he's like, hell yeah, that's awesome. You know, I'd be happy to be known for that. Are you kidding me? And, like, not tame necessarily in a bad way, but as in, like, he wants to be known for standing by her side. He wants to be known for being with a badass. And I'm not going to get too deep into... What Tolkien was doing by blending history and myth, in terms of the shield maiden archetype and all that stuff, but the men in the Lord of the Rings are just such a phenomenal example of what we need, in my opinion. And I think, you know, just by the opinion of what's going on in the world today, um, that it's really just ghastly and ghoulish to try and mess with that and try and make them something that they're not. And frankly. To try and make them trans women is a literal attempt to castrate what they are culturally. So I have, again, no sympathy, no empathy, no support, no patience for any of this shit. I think we need more positive masculinity, not less. If you don't like that, read something else. So if you cannot look at platonic male intimacy, friendship and love as anything but sexual as anything but oh they're gay and in some in whatever way you are so broken you are so overly sexual in your perspective that i feel sorry for you because you've clearly never had a real friend and you're missing out on what tolkien was actually showing you on the goodness that makes it possible to survive fighting actual evil and you know The one thing that I will, I'm not gonna, it's not a concession. The one thing that I could understand if people read it as some kind of not straight relationship is Frodo and Sam are very, they they cuddle, um, they kiss each other on the forehead, they hold hands, um, and they say things like, my dear, if people want to read that as gay love, you know what? I'm not going to stop you. Because that's the only thing where it's like, okay, if you want to interpret it that way, for some people, it's a little hard to not read it that way. How I read it personally is these are these somewhat childlike, you know, what's the word? Cherubic. uh, Just these very wholesome creatures that have been thrust against literal evil every single day. And they are all that each other... That the other has. And Tolkien went to war. He was in World War I. And there is, from what I understand, just a particular kind of bond that all of us who've never been to battle have no way of relating to. We have no idea of what being up against that day in and day out is like. So I don't personally think that Tolkien meant. For that to be a gay thing. I think he meant that as wholesomely as possible. And I choose to see it that way because that's what he wrote and that's what he said. And I'm going with that. And I think that frankly, that is more powerful than oh, they were just gay, because it's like, okay, so they were just <laughs> they had feel it. Like what is I don't understand the impulse for that because it's to me far more powerful for it to be a platonic bond. And you know, at the end, this isn't a spoiler. (laughs) It's been out for almost a hundred years. If you guys don't want spoilers, then, you know, catch up. Sam marries, uh, Rosie. He has a bunch of kids and Frodo is so broken and shell-shocked, um, that he's, I kind of just rendered asexual, I I guess might be a way to put it. He's just not, but again, like, I don't like the obsession with sexuality because it's not about him being asexual. It's, he faced literal evil, and he cannot, you know, like, he can't engage with life as he knew it anymore. Sam can. He's the one who survived in all ways, and that's kind of the point is, ooh, I'm sorry, this makes me so emotional, but I think everyone remembers that really beautiful line of the Shire is saved, but not for me. Oof, yeah, I really love the word <laughs> that ranks, guys. Um obviously I'm super touched by it. Um so that's that's just why I find it so gross for people to make everything sexual is that it's this it's spiritual warfare is what it actually is. It is a literal battle of good against evil. And so, you know, to make that about race also um the whole thing with the, the different races and the species in the Lord of the Rings, it's spiritual. It is not about black people are orcs and white people are elves. Like, I don't know where you fucking people get these ideas. Again, if you want to look at the motivation, Tolkien was Catholic. The orcs and the goblins, they have more to do with like demons in service, like compelled to serve a uh, Satan. (laughs) Sorry, it's not my mythology, so I, I kind of don't like to make things that simple. But Tolkien was Catholic. That was his perspective, So, you know, like I said earlier, evil is very obviously a literal thing in this series, to say the least. And evil, in its expressions, is limited to defilement, to mockery, um, to causing misery. It can't create life. And if you read the books, which these people don't seem to, you know, the orcs, they serve... Sauron out of fear out of compulsion out of um you know force that a lot of them feel that they have no other choice and they probably don't but it's especially sad because there's a particular conversation I remember I think in the Return of the King where there's a couple of these orcs who are talking amongst themselves about how they wish they could just go make a life for themselves somewhere else they wish they could just you know do their own thing and not be stuck serving some war that they don't care about and how they think that even when the good guys win that they won't even bother taking them as prisoners that they'll just be killed and it's like a damned if you do damned if you don't they're just fucked from both ends and you realize like they don't believe in Sauron they're not I mean some of them do like don't get me wrong there are definitely some of uh, the creatures that serve Sauron that are evil themselves that are sadistic that enjoy, you know, creating pain and destruction in others. But some of them are being dragged into it. It's not their fight and they don't want to. So I see that more as a very obvious um it doesn't need to be an allegory. It stands on its own, but if there is an allegory here, it's not about race. It's demonic. You know, like it's it's very clearly established in the Somorolan which is basically the Bible. It's Tolkien's homage to, or uh, tribute to, the Bible or to catechism. This is what I mean with the stuff is so obviously uh, inspired by Christian morality, where the one is creating life, creating the world, and then there's the discordant one, Melkor, a.k.a. Lucifer. Like, it's, it's pretty heavy-handed. So, if people want to interpret this as some kind of racial hierarchy you're not reading the books. That's pretty much all I have to say. That's not what's in there. And if that's what you're taking from it, yet again, you're missing what Tolkien was trying to show you. And, you know, like I said, these this was written damn near a century ago. It's not going to show you what you're used to seeing. It's not going to show you the social justice stuff that people are obsessed about now. And that's kind of what you notice when you pay attention to these critics, uh, you know, with any level of seriousness, which I I did try and understand where they were coming from. And there are some people who genuinely want everything to be intersectional. They think that they're, that they're being fair. They think that they're doing some kind of good, but there are some of them who don't even really believe in that. And like, I saw this one comment that was, Oh, we should have a woman of color play Gandalf just to see people freak out. And it's like, bitch, black people don't exist as some kind of shock value For you and your weird, like, whatever you're trying to do here. Because obviously this was a white chick commenting it. Again, not going to share the username. But this is some white woman that has spent too much time on Tumblr that, who is this helping? Like, truly, what favors are you doing for women of color by deciding that they exist as a novelty to, you know, serve as shock value so you can stick it to real Tolkien fans? Like, what are you doing? It's embarrassing And it's insulting to everyone involved, not least of whom is the black women who you're trying to conscript into (laughs) basically being some kind of fucking object, being some kind of toy. Like, again, just serving to shock people. That's, I consider that really gross. I think that's racist in itself, but, you know, uh, these people are not used to actual critical thinking, just critical theory. (sighs) And I, I will say as much as I personally love Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. I like, I love the fellowship through The Return of the King as far as the films go. I'm really resentful for what he did with The Hobbit. It was a blatant cash grab and it's inspired all of these weirdos who are starting to feel like their weird, twisted fan fictions uh, are just as legitimate as the books because he had that whole subplot or the story with Toriel and the dwarf. Because he's trying to prey on, you know, he's trying to do a callback to Aragorn and Arwen, to Gimli and Galadriel, to get people in their feelings. So they pay money and keep seeing the movies. Again, cash grab. Um, and I'm just, it's depressing on multiple levels because, like, The Hobbit doesn't have a trace of the spirit of what Tolkien was doing. And again, The Hobbit was a kid's book, it was the probably least serious of uh, the whole Middle-earth universe of the books of that realm. And it didn't need three movies. So the fact that people are taking it seriously as um, some kind of fuel for why Aragorn is transgender and why uh, they can do whatever they want uh, with the books. And, you know, let's just... Let's, what what are what were some of the titles for the uh, Tolkien Society's academic conference here? It's stuff like Gondor in Transition, a brief inter- introduction to transgender realities in The Lord of the Rings. There are no fucking transgender realities in The Lord of the Rings. Find something else. Um, you know, there's papers on anti-racism in Middle Earth. Uh, you know, stuff about destabilizing the cis-heteronormativity. Like, just shut the fuck up for a second. I just gotta get that out, I'm sorry. But, um... <clears throat> I'm not going to put all the blame on him, but I I do really heavily blame Peter Jackson and his co-writers for, you know, doing their part to legitimize this kind of bullshit. Because when you get the ball rolling with just making stuff up and acting like it's canon, which you do when you put it in the film, um, people take that and they run with it. And I'm just, my heart really breaks for Christopher Tolkien for, uh, John Ronald Drewell's son, because he was his closest collaborator. He was, I think his closest editor in general, and just, he was the torchbearer and the guardian of his father's legacy. He was the closest with the material. And he wasn't even a fan of uh, the original trilogy of movies. He said it was uh, cheap, sleazy action movies designed for teenagers, which... I think it's pretty harsh personally. Um, but if he wasn't even a fan of that, you can imagine what he what he thought of the Hobbit. And this quote from him just really breaks my heart. He says, "Tolkien has become a monster devoured by his own popularity and absorbed into the absurdity of our time. The chasm between the beauty and seriousness of the work and what it has become has overwhelmed me. The commercialization has reduced the aesthetic and philosophical impact of the creation into nothing, there's only one solution for me to turn my head away. For one, very well-spoken, sir. For two, it's just heartbreaking. You know, like, he, the people who are doing all this bullshit and, like, trying to act like there's any grounds for it in the text, it's very clear that there isn't. You know, the estate doesn't sign off on any of this shit. And what really is just horrendous is they waited until Christopher Tolkien died to start with all this shit of the Amazon series that's going to have more sexual facets to it, which people online have already said this. I'm paraphrasing the internet with this. We are not Game of Thrones fans. Like, people who think that uh, Lord of the Rings fans are you know, just interchangeable with people who like fantasy in general and people who like Game of Thrones, which is uber violent and uber sexual. That's not why we love it. And that's why all these people will fail because they don't understand what has made it so beloved. They don't understand that the values of that wholesome goodness, of honor, of just nobility and grace, um, you know, of the hopeless battle of just doing what's right, period. They do not understand that an unashamed, you know, unironic, literal spiritual battle of good versus evil, that's exactly why we love it so much. So we don't want like this sexual pollution bullshit into the story that isn't there. We don't want any of that shit. So the people who want to keep trying to shove themselves in were. They don't exist in this story, for better or worse. The Lord of the Rings is what it is. Um, I don't even... I regret saying for better or worse. It's not about that. It's not your fucking story. Um, for people that want to continue criticizing, just know you're actually deifying Tolkien. You are treating his work as so important that it's basically like the writing of God because this is what people do with the Bible. People who try and find, oh, here's queer stuff in the Bible. Here's this, like that's one thing, because it's the Bible. Like, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a Christian, I'm not uh, in the monotheistic religions at all, obviously, but I think there's a degree of acceptability to interpreting and reinterpreting divine texts, because that's kind of what they're there for. Like, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, necessarily, but You know, I'm obviously a fan of heretical interpretations here. My name is Lilith. Hello. Um, But that's, it's just, it's so funny because that's what they're doing with him. They have decided that his work is so powerful and so important and such a massive structure of everything that they hate and want to destroy that, again, they're just paying it a massive compliment. So, I don't know if I've said this already on this podcast, but... This is something that I have noticed. It's a consistent theme with these critical theorist type people is that they see these air quote platforms or the acclaim that authors and sources get for their own work, the love that creators get for their own work, they see it as something that they didn't really work for and didn't earn and they don't understand why at all. It's kind of like when people say, oh, so-and-so should give their platform to someone else or... Oh, it's it's not how it works. People gather an audience because of their voice, because people like them specifically and because of what they have to say. Um, so it's no wonder that they're constantly trying to steal other people's creations and shit on it and tear it apart because they don't understand the concept of working for the love that you get. Um, they think that if you just say the right things that you deserve that. They don't understand why they're not that famous, why they don't have all of that love and support that's lasted for, you know, again, almost a century now and will last for another century from here because what makes Tolkien's work so beautiful, it's not contingent on the cannibalism that critical theory is. Critical theory is about destroying. It's about dismantling. It's about destruction the same way that what the orcs are doing and what evil in Tolkien's work signifies is that mockery and defilement, the jealousy of not being able to create for yourself. That's why it will fail. That's why it will eat itself alive. And that's why Tolkien's work will persist and will continue and just be a beacon for goodness for at least another century to come, if not another two centuries. So thanks for you know, all the compliments, I guess. That's <laughs> something I might say. But um, <sighs> yeah, I'll say this one more time. Tolkien was a deeply Catholic lover of his God, a lover of history, a lover of mythology, who set out to create a mythopoetic epic for the English people. And that is exactly what he did That creation will endure long past all the jealousy and mockery of those who don't possess even a fraction of his talent, of his vision, of his substance, and especially not of his morality. That envy and that destruction, it will always cannibalize itself and eventually will be the orchestration of its own demise. But that honor and beauty, that goodness, that grace, the strength and courage, all of the values that were embodied in the lord of the rings people will always look to that they will always long for that that will always live on in people's hearts and in our souls because they aren't contingent on the destruction or attack or mockery or jealousy of anything else they stand on their own and they will continue to stand on their own so i think that's all i have to say about this um it's so cathartic to get this out. Cause I, I post about this from time to time. God damn. So yeah. Um, I kind of doubt, I, I understand that for the most part that people who listen to this are people who kind of, uh, already connect with a lot of what I'm trying to say. It would be cool for people who, um, disagree to spend more time listening to, what they disagree with. I spend a lot of time doing that, even if I eventually come out of it going, oh, here's exactly why you're wrong. Here's exactly why I disagree with you. But I understand what they're saying and doing. Like I can pretty much reconstruct a response or assessment from the lens of critical theory at the drop of a hat because I've read so much of it. I know so much of what they're saying. I've interacted with it ad nauseum. And They really don't do that with anyone who asks any questions. So, or anyone who disagrees with them in any way. So, (sighs) I am gonna stop ranting now and I will try and end this (laughs) properly. I will say that if you are interested in more of my ranting and just more of my input and insight and what I have to say in general, uh, My Patreon community is more than open to any new patrons or supporters who are interested and who want to support me and what I do. You can find that Patreon under Outlaw Priestess. It's also linked on all of my social media, I think. You can find it indirectly through my website, which is just outlawpriestess.com. And I have tiers from $3 to $55, so whatever your budget is whatever level you would like to join at I would be more than grateful and more than happy to connect with you in that way so thank you for listening to this and now for real I will end of just get off your phone get off your laptop go outside do some magic listen to some Fleetwood Mac it's the season anyways much love guys